Steve Ciszek by the seashore. The NHL's license to Ilya. And after what LeBron did to them, the Raptors needed a nurse. Also, Ann Donovan. And now, WTMJ presents The Tripod, a sports and pop culture podcast with Justin Garcia, Scott Morris, and Ashton Rotman. That's all on this week's show. We should also, um, well, should we touch on it from last week, Ashton? The, jeez, uh, talk about bad timing when we did our whole... Celebrity chef, who was it? Was it Greg that picked Chopped Ugh. for the reality mm-hmm. show? And we uh, did our look back on celebrity chefs and tried to come up with who's our favorite. Anthony Bourdain was probably my favorite. How do we all forget right, about him? Right, just didn't come to mind at the time. And then sadly, hours later, we learn he's no longer with us. Probably because we didn't mention him. Did you see, uh, Scott, you're a big Netflix guy. Did you see Parts Unknown is going to remain on Netflix for months to come now? Is it? It is. It's it always is. been unknown it to is. me. <laughs> You're not a fan? I watched, because you guys are big fans of his, I watched a good deal of the coverage. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot, he got a lot more coverage than I anticipated, rightfully or wrongly. A lot on CNN. They had a whole special on oh, he was an Friday night. Right, right. I think Food Network or uh, Food Channel did a whole first show? day-long you know, the best of type thing. Discovery Channel did I, something on him, too. That was where... Uh, admittedly, I didn't realize he was as impactful on that genre as he was. I He didn't really appeal to me. I, I watched this show a time or two, but not enough to kind of hook me in. You called him a phony, basically. I and said that I think his... Not denying it. No, his 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 badass demeanor, his bad boy image, and I realized he went through some really tough stuff in life. He even said, "What he was lucky that he, or he was shocked that he lived past twenty five or something like that." That I think I interpreted as if that mantra helped him in his career by combining that imagery with food. Like figuring out what he was and then going along with it. And nobody else is doing that because every other foodie is kind of fits into a cookie cutter type of figure. And so I'm going to keep being this badass guy. And I just, I, I know what he was doing, but it didn't appeal to me. And so I, I just, I, I, there's a little phoniness to it, rightly or wrongly. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong, if but you, I, I come across that. If way. you never heard of him before he passed away, as and then you see him now. I mean, you know, and then you see him now. People put are putting pictures that he's very inspirational, and I'm sure he was. You know, he had that go out and do it kind of mindset. He had the go somewhere new, go to a, a hole in the wall, eat their food kind of thing, and definitely not getting the you know, like you said, the badass imagery after the fact. I, I don't think he's people are remembering him that way. You know, hole in the wall. Would you consider a pancake house that? <laughs> Ooh. It's something. A pancake house. No, a, course, yeah. yeah, I mean, like a little. Ind- I think independent, you know, good eats, different eats was his thing, right? So make the case for Anthony Bourdain and this impactful well, career he had on well, I'll, culture. I'll, I'll share this case. story. So um, he was one of the guys that influenced me most. How? Why don't you listen? That's part of him. I'm going to share the story. I know. I'm just 
adding to the. So I know I've, I shared, I don't remember if it was on the podcast or just with this group of people about when I uh, broke my ankle when I was sh- uh, saving a young child from being hit by a car. Excellent story. You can tell the real right. version. <clears throat> Not unlike it. the Gordon Hayward injury, right? Right. A lot like that. A lot like uh, that. Very similar. Yeah. <laughs> Fractured There's the ankle, dislocated, ruptured the tendons down there. So when I suffered that injury, I was basically bedridden for the better part of six weeks. And uh, it just meant I slept on the couch in my parents' living room for six weeks. That's all I did, laid on the couch. I could get up to go to the bathroom, but I wasn't supposed to like get up on crutches more than like two times a day, something like that. So during this time, there's a couple of stories here. This injury occurred March 15th, 2008. We just passed the 10-year anniversary. Mm. Recently, somewhat recently. Um, Did you commemorate that? I remember the date of the injury because, A, I just quit my job, which kind of threw a wrench into my plans, Uh, and, B, I had tickets to a Bruce Springsteen concert two days later, so I was at that concert in a wheelchair in that section for people in wheelchairs. Is there picture evidence of that? I'm sure there is. Was that location Actually, better? You know what? I can uh, – no, no. Because then your we were way, ticketed location. Way okay. on the other end. Uh, I can find evidence of me in the hospital as I'm telling the story here. But um, so there was that, and that was the week of the NCAA tournament beginning. So the duration of this injury, I was basically just laying on the couch watching all of the NCAA tournament, playing video games. That was when it was MLB 2K8, and that was when they were running the million dollars for throwing a no-hitter. So their rule in fine print was once there's a no-hitter thrown, it's off the table. It's the first one to do it. Now we're giving away a million to everyone that did it. I threw a no-hitter in that game, but somebody already did it. So I won nothing. I threw a no-hitter with Scott Olson of the Florida Marlins. Wow. Scott Olson. So anyway. Did video, you know? Okay, but we're going off track. So but, video games. Let me, let me, I got to follow up. Did you know at the time that in the fine print no, it said? I did not. So you mm-hmm. thought you so had thought, won a million dollars. Oh, my God, I'm rich. And that's right? you jumped up and you broke your other ankle. So, <laughs> so I had to like pause the game because you had to upload it onto their server and they had to vet it to make sure there was no uh, any kind of shenanigans or anything. And then I see uh, there's already been like 36 no-hitters, so they already gave away the prize. So anyway. That's so deflating. Oh, I know. (laughs) And Scott Olson, of all guys, to throw a no-hitter with him. So anyway, um, I'm, like I said, watching the tournament, playing video games, and that's it. And my parents knew, too, like, you got to do something else. You can't just do this. So I was like, all right, I'm. I want to read, like, bring me some books. The first book I read during that injury was Kitchen Confidential by Mm. Anthony Bourdain. And it was, like, around that time that I really got into, like, food and figuring out, oh, this is what goes with this. This is how you cook this. And a lot of that is because of Anthony Bourdain. And it all started with that article in The New Yorker, right? You wrote that article basically – this a shorter version life. of the yeah. book, and then he got the book deal after that. I didn't realize that 
Like I just assumed he was around forever. Well, I mean he he had he had started right. decades ago. Stuff, yeah. He had been in the industry for a long time. He basically, like you said, came to rise in the last 10 12 years or so. Yeah. Yeah, that cuz that book was what 99 or 2000. Okay. I mean, I read it a while but after it was years. Out. Right, but still it, then it, 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 it regained yeah. the popularity okay. kind of through another oh, thing. Nice. So do you think that he that that's what made this Persona of his, or was it always something? That'll be our cover art this week. (laughs) Uh, Those that can't see, this is look at how which is everybody medicated I look in that picture. (laughs) So let me see. I I was I I was also told I was very annoying to the surgeons (laughs) and now and everyone else because uh, did I share the whole story? Not on the podcast. So this is good. <laughs> it, looks, it looks worse than an ankle thing. Like, <laughs> is that a well, I mean, foot transplant right, or something? Right there, man. It's in the. Okay, I know, but. Um, so I was. It was a going away party. I had just quit my job. And <laughs> I'm walking back to my apartment with my roommates. And this is March. I slip on a patch of ice. I break my ankle. Mm. One of my roommates comes over and says, Get up, let's go. And I, I'm on the ground. And I don't know why I thought this, because I had that was that's the only broken bone I've ever had. Mm. So he says, "Get up!" I'm like I, I think I broke my ankle. You didn't break your ankle. You would know if you broke your ankle. Get up. And I was like, "All right, this guy's smart. He's in law school." So yeah, all right. I didn't break my ankle. So I get up. I don't put any weight on that leg. I get up and I use him as a crutch and just hop to the door because we lived on the second floor and we were taking the stairs to our apartment. So I get to the stairs, and I have to hop up one step at a time. And as I hop to the first step, I mean, there's no way to really illustrate it verbally. I'll give you the visual, and you can – I mean, when I hopped, I felt my broken ankle just flop, basically. Flailing in the wind? And I said, I think this is broken. And he looked, oh, yeah, it's broke. we got to go to the hospital. Good thing he's a lawyer, not a doctor. So – he was sober. He had to drive me to the hospital with my other roommate. And my other roommate gave him his car so we could all fit in there. I'm in the back seat of like I have to crawl into the back of like this hatchback car. He stops to get gas and I'm in the back seat in pain like let's just go to the hospital. So we get to the hospital and um at first they didn't think I had insurance. Because I didn't have my card with me, so we had to call this girl that I work with at like one in the morning. Like, uh, what what hospital do we go to, and where's his insurance? So they put me in this really crappy room because they still are under the impression there's no insurance here. And the one of the nurses comes by and says, "I have to set your ankle." Mm. And my immediate reaction is that, yeah, like this is gonna hurt. And she tells, like, no, 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 it's not gonna hurt. It's actually probably gonna feel better. So I said, okay. So she sets my ankle, and it did. It didn't hurt. Felt a lot better. So I go to sleep, and I'm going to have surgery the following morning. So that morning, uh, the surgeon comes in to tell me, your surgery has been bumped back to the afternoon because somebody's being flown into the hospital for spinal surgery. Slightly more important. And I'm like, okay, okay. And as he's leaving, he's with like a group of interns or something. As he's leaving, he looks at my leg and stops, and no, you never want to see this. When the doctor stops and kind of does a double take and looks down and, like, gets the chart, starts flipping through it, 
points to the leg and starts talking to somebody else. Like, what's going on here? Can I amputate your leg? So he comes up and he says, um, did they set your ankle last night? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to reset it oh. because it looks like they did this wrong. Oh, wow. So, I mean, the first time, like, okay, it didn't hurt the first time. So, I'm like, okay, sure, yeah, knock yourself out, dude. Like, we can't give you any any anesthesia or anything because you're about to go into surgery. So, you have to bear with me here. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, this nurse comes up to me, and I'm thinking this is no big deal here. That's lies. Uh, I'm thinking no big deal here. This nurse comes up to me, puts her arm on my shoulder. Grabs my hand and squeezes and says, "This is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna me, hurt you." Looks at me, looks at me. She looks at me and like nods her head. It's like it's gonna be okay. <laughs> oh, no. And at that point, I'm like, "What is she talking about?" You can squeeze my hand if you need it. On three, one, two. Right. So, I'm like, what is this lady talking about? And then there it goes. Boom. And that was the worst pain I have ever had. In my life, to have it basically rebroken, and then there you go, we're setting it. Second worst pain would come hours after the surgery when I needed an aid. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! So, let's stop! No, let's stop! Let's move on. What's so, the- so oh. back to Anthony Borden. So I get out of the surgery. I get out of the surgery, and uh, my friends come to visit me. <laughs> I'm, oh, just, I, I, I'm I'm distraught over the fact that my favorite pair of jeans and socks were cut off my foot. I guess you remember Nip Tuck was big at the time. You were like seven, so you don't remember. But I guess I kept asking the surgeon, like, can I can I choose the CD during surgery, like a Nip Tuck? Like, shut up, just <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm in my room, and this nurse keeps coming in and saying, like, you need to go to the bathroom. Like, I, I'm oh. fine. I'm fine, lady. I don't have to go. So she keeps coming back like every hour, like, you need to get up and go to the bathroom. Like, I don't have to go. I, I don't know what you want from me here, but there's nothing in there. So she comes, <laughs> she comes, and I think it might be in that picture. It is definitely in that picture. She sets uh, like a hospital thing for you to go to the bathroom in on that wheeling table. It's not a bedpan, but it's a yeah, one of, like a jug. It's like a jug, basically. yeah, with a handle on it. So she sets that on that wheeling wheeling tray, and says, "I'm putting this here as motivation. Mm-hmm. You need to go to the bathroom or else. Like or I else don't what? have to go. Right? I don't have to go or minute. else. What? You genuinely don't know where this is going. I've never heard this part of the story. No, you don't. Don't, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it for him." <laughs> but I'm thinking the same thing, or else what? So she keeps coming back, and she keeps getting more and more annoyed. And finally, she comes back, and she says, okay, this is it. You need to go to the bathroom in the next hour. Did you know what? I knew what it was. Okay, yeah. And I, at that point, fear sunk in because I knew I don't mm-hmm. want that. Oh, right. oh, God, I just clicked in my head. And so I started bargaining with her. Like, I don't have to go to the bathroom. Look, I don't know what you want from me. There's nothing in there. So I don't do this. She did it about oh. an hour later. Not fun. No, 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 no. You know, I had my appendix taken out. Oh. And through all the pain – 
that I had in that pro- which was kind of a bizarre. <laughs> yeah, not fun. In had, or out. Had the <laughs> which was more fun. Which oh, part? <laughs> in the scariest moment in the entire appendix process was that fear after the surgery. Like you, she comes in and and she says, "Have you gone to the bathroom yet?" Mm-hmm. Lie. Yep. No, I haven't. In Do you have to? Sure. And I'm like, "No, not really." All right. Comes back, you know, later in the afternoon. Have you have you gone to the bathroom yet? No, not yet. She says something to the effect of, "Well, if you don't in the next, you know, uh-huh. hour or two, we're gonna have to." give you some assistance. And I knew exactly what she meant. Scared me so much. I went into that bathroom and thank God I somehow yeah. found some liquid to leave mine was in like the toilet. A, mine was thank God. I, I it didn't come to that, but it did for you. Oh mine was God. like a five hour period and I, I got up on crutches twice, went to the bathroom Tried. and I'm like yelling through the bathroom like there's not I can't go. There's nothing. Oh, there's when she came back. Yeah, there was something. Did it's they... definitely worse uh, leaving oh. than entering. Really? Oh yeah. See, I would have guessed just the opposite. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, I would have guessed just the opposite. No, Let Greg ask... still hasn't figured it out. <laughs> um, did I'm trying to do hand motions to figure out how once you describe you, it, but once oh, once you received, oh stop! Don't you talk about something else, please. <laughs> We, we, can, oh we, we can close the book on Anthony Bourdain in just a second. <laughs> but once the assistance was provided, did you realize, oh, yeah, there was some there? <laughs> or or was it like, see, I so, told you, so here's the there's weird, nothing there. No, so because – Oh, now we get to the weird part? Uh, well, look, I'm glad none of you guys have had this mm. because you don't want it. Um. You don't even realize it's happening. I suppose. It's just right. the fluid just goes all yeah, the way through. Well, so. I mean, there's a tube in there. Yes, so you I don't know. even realize it's happening. So, like, I showed you the picture of my roommates with me. Like, there's people in the room visiting me, and there's a bag that's, hey, like, look, it filling up, and I have no idea. I don't know how you segue from that, but it wasn't, it wasn't fun. Wow. But that's how I got, basically, I mean, had it not been for that. Broken ankle. Had it not been for mm-hmm. that bathroom assistant, I would have never gotten into Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, I'm not going to share my stories about Anthony Bourdain anymore. Let's hear him. <laughs> but what's weird is, God. like, Anthony Bourdain was, the last thing I'll say, he was part of that, like, group of celebrity chefs that all of a sudden, how do you... You don't want to like overstate it and make it sound more serious than it is, especially with some of the other stuff going on now. Made food cool. That well made it more acceptable for men to really be into ah, cooking. And yeah, I, guess, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's that serious. I've just said it's not super serious, but like, it's not like men were bullied, but it was always like, oh, you made that. I'm not gonna lie. Anthony Bourdain was one of the guys who really changed that, though. I took foods in high school because a, I love food, and b, Guy Fieri. I mean. So, anyway, as we pivot off here, um, I am just going to be haunted by that image. Well, uh, the look. image, this, the, 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 the hurts. Yeah. Oh, you have no idea the hurt. Oh, and again, it hurt more on the way out. Than it did for me. See, I would think, gotta get it up in there. 
that that would be no. more painful than the. I mean, look, neither one of them is. I imagine. I mean, it's tough to say one was better than the other. <laughs> if you had to choose. Yeah. Yeah. I wow. choose not to do it again. I would have choose to like bring that pitcher, that jug into the bathroom. And you should have find a way. Pour it like pour water into it and dump it out in the. Toilet. Did you have a roommate? <laughs> what? Like in the somebody? Hospital? Yeah, no. in the bed. Like, hey, buddy, no. could you? <laughs> do I, a I do remember. You know, I'm not gonna get up on a. a Wait, that was a bad uh, choice of words. You know what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna get up, up on and make the oh healthcare type. But here's one of the other things that stood out to me because I, this injury occurred in Madison. My parents lived back here, and I was staying with them because my apartment was on the second floor. I couldn't go anywhere, and I technically needed somebody to be there at times. And 25, 24 year old roommates. Not really the most reliable there. So I stayed with them. And, like, I had all these follow-up exams and doctor's appointments at that hospital that I had to commute to and from each time. And I do remember the day that I left the hospital. I was there Friday through Sunday. I left late Sunday afternoon. They wouldn't let me leave until I could pass physical therapy, as they called it. So physical therapy was me on a pair of crutches – walking 10 feet down the hall, and they set, like, one of those step boxes. Mm -hmm. And I had to walk up to the step and down and then leave. And like, okay, all right, we know you know how to do this. You're free to go. Uh, like, two, three weeks later, I get the bill for that physical therapy. It was like $2,000 for 10 minutes. You figured it out, though, when you – I passed. Yeah. I passed. Yeah. You're just lucky you didn't uh – Use an ambulance to get to the hospital because the ambulance oh, yeah. bill, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that gets people every yep. single I, time because not, that is not usually covered. I did not, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know this. One of my buddies is currently in training to become a paramedic, and I have another friend who is one and said, you might as, everyone that's here, you might as well just get an Uber. It's cheaper. Mm -hmm. You're not, you I did not, not stay in contact with your friends or something? You don't know what their vocation is? No, he is recently. What are you talking about? No, he's he's becoming a paramedic. He's training for the test. I just did not realize that ambulances were that expensive per trip. Now, speaking of trips, so um, there's a couple of things to touch on with Major League Baseball, but the the thing that really tickled my fancy here the most. Have you seen this growing speculation on expansion? In all sports, but yeah, no baseball. one can. Nobody sees you nodding when this is a podcast. I just answered the question, though. You nodded first. Yes, yes, I am nodding and answering audibly. Um. So apparently, the goal, and there's a, a much better write-up than I'm sure we can explain this, but there is the goal is apparently 32 teams eventually, and the belief is like we're probably five to ten years, if not more, away from this happening. The big thing there is their current TV deals run through 2021, mm -hmm. so you would figure any expansion and everything that will come with that won't happen until 2022 at the earliest. But the goal is to reach 32 teams, and Rob Manfred has all but said this, that we want to get to 32 teams for a couple of reasons. One with 32 teams, they're likely shortening the schedule from 162 to 154 games. And the reason why that 154 stands out the most is this proposed plan that's floating around there is eight divisions with four teams. So when you split it up like that, and there's no more American League and National League, 
You split it up like that, it works out more evenly to go with 32 teams, three teams in your division, 154 games, that it's easier for scheduling and it eliminates the unbalanced schedule. Now, the other things that come with this is, like we said, they're shifting it to eight, basically, divisions. American and national would be less of, uh, what, importance here. And we're seeing the same thing banding about in the NBA. But the thought is we will go from, what, what are we at, 10 playoff teams right now? Eight? Well, plus the wild card. So 10. Yeah. Yeah. We would go to anywhere from 12 to 16. So you would basically have either the NFL or the NBA structure with the playoffs. And one of the things that Manfred pointed to was that, uh, number one, we're getting rid of the unbalanced schedule, so that's helpful. But if you do this, if you trim it down by eight games, that shaves off 10 to 11 days from the season. So they could start the playoffs earlier. They would still be done, what, first week of November. And with this new structure, they would avoid having any, uh, like, Red Sox playing the Mariners in the first round of the playoffs. So you have East and West because, as he pointed out, the big complaint we always have is the time is either too early for the teams in Seattle or too late for the teams in Boston. So you get rid of that until basically your league championship series. But because of that structure, the other thing is you could have, like, the Yankees and Red Sox as your World Series. The more that's out there about this, it sounds like this is definitely happening. It's just what year does this happen? We are adding two more teams, and they're going to dramatically change the playoff structure. Mm. I, I'm not sold on adding eight more teams, six more teams to the playoffs. If you're, you're taking away eight games and you're just saying, we're taking away eight games in the regular season, and instead we're going to add another playoff round? I think it would be the NFL structure where they would go to six in each, so you would have so tw- uh, that's, twelve okay. teams in the playoffs, and you would have like the two best records get buys. buys. I'm more in, I'm that. more interested in that. Also, though, because I, uh, like sixteen, if you do eight and eight, that's just too much. That's what I'm saying. Uh, also, the, this, the write up that I'm reading is the Jason Stark one on the Athletic. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, it mentions the Universal DH, and yes, I'm yes. very in favor of that. Not, not in favor of that. No. Why not? I would be more in favor of universally no DH. Why? It just feels cheap with a DH. There's more strategy in it with pitchers hitting. And I understand the whole... How much more strategy, though? Are you joking? No, aside from double switches, how much more strategy? Well, that's a pretty big strategy. With a DH, you're not even worrying about that for the most part, though. You're not worrying about when the pitcher's hitting so you can switch your lineup around. That's a big component that you're taking out then. I know. I'm saying how much do you think that actually even would impact the game? Big time. An entire league full of DH would impact the game big time because you can't make double switches? Okay. Can we take a step back for a second? Please. So we're operating under the premises that expansion is a good – It is inevitable. No, no, no. But yes. Is that a good thing? I'm not in favor of it. See, neither am I. I I don't see baseball being a sport that is at a point in its history where now is the time to strike. And I know we're a few years out of this, obviously. But now is the time to strike for, for more teams. When you have markets 
And we know what they are, the Miamis, the Tampas. I would be more open he, to well, – Go ahead. I would say I'd be more open to taking those markets and moving them. Well, he singled out Oakland and Tampa as the two problem cities that we have to fix first. He didn't mention – well, just because of the uh, Miami's, stadium. Miami's, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Tampa, that stadium is atrocious. Same with Oakland. But, but yeah, you know, but, but he makes a good point then. But I, I just – I don't see – So I, I think here's here were the cities that were listed as the ones that have basically been earmarked as we're looking to expand and these are the ones we're looking at. Portland, Oregon, Charlotte, Nashville, San Antonio or Austin, Montreal – Mexico City and Vegas. Which of those even interest you? Well, look, doesn't it seem like Oakland is likely to move to Vegas? Sure. If if we're following the the Raiders. Well, not only that, but they're go like they're going through their own thing. I mean, I know I remember last year we talked about the good chance that Oakland could lose all three of their professional sports teams. That the Raiders were leaving, the Warriors are technically moving to San Francisco, and that O.co Coliseum is just bad, an eyesore, and they're not going to get any public funding for a new stadium for the A's. That Which it just seems trend. like they are destined to leave the city of Oakland. Vegas, look for how progressive Rob Manfred has been, and I, I think Rob Manfred and Adam Silver have been the two biggest ones there. We've already seen one professional league with a residency in Vegas. It seems like that's the trend, that somebody else, somebody's going there, whether it's the Raiders are going to be there first or a baseball team moves there. But to me, it seems like Vegas, and it also seems like Montreal is kind of the redemption story, that Montreal is going to end up, to end up with a team. So my guess would be one of those two teams moves, probably the A's, and I would guess they move to Vegas. Before expansion, you think a team Well, moves. he said that we need to sort those two situations out first. But if if we're just saying – Final picture here. Here's what's going to happen. I think the A's moves to Vegas. I think Montreal gets a team. And of those other cities, I would guess. Do you want a third Texas team? I would almost guess Nashville. It's become a hot. It's become a hotbed. Yeah. I mean, what's going on with isn't uh, what's happening with San Antonio with the with minor leagues. They're still trying to figure out as the what the Rockhounds, I think. Is, yeah. They're they're trying to figure out this involves the Brewers as well. Right. Their triple A team is trying to figure out who is going to own them next year, what level it's going to be at, and also who owns them literally as financially who's going right. to own them. And the uh, like Colorado Springs next year will not be the triple A affiliate of the Brewers. No, it's gonna be A ball, right? It's A or rookie. It's one of those two. Um let's just make this simplified here. Portland, Charlotte. Nashville, Montreal, Austin, Vegas, and Mexico City. Which are the two cities that will get a team? I, I think Montreal and Vegas. I think this is a horrible idea. But it's – I, I agree remember, but I just, with that, but I you have to pick two cities. No, I don't have to pick well, two cities. Let me tell you something. That wall gets built. Good luck with Mexico City. No, I, come on. I, I, th- I think Is the wall getting built? And let's be honest – our 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 relations with our northern. I mean, okay. come on! I I don't want to get politics into it, but you have to look. In in an era where baseball is trying to 
to change the game as it is current in its current yes, iteration and, and, and to endear itself to a younger generation and 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 what hasn't been mentioned in all this is this a profitable venture they believe- do the owners make money on more expansion well expansion fees so I'm that taking would be that the one way as you're saying Charlotte and Austin <laughs> if anything Nashville would be for a younger crowd it would be Nashville. Yeah. And one of the other biggest Portland. I mean, you go Portland and Austin, you're getting the young money. <laughs> one of the other arguments against expansion Rapper. is what that waters down the quality of play, doesn't not? Oh, I mean, look, if you Probably. think you add another we, team, aren't we seeing well, a trend we now? That in the NHL too? Strikeouts yep. higher than ever before, and pitching. It's only going to get worse. I'm not going to pick two Greg, cities. Greg, your two cities. You can have my pick. Thanks. I'm definitely going. Cities. I'm definitely going Nashville. Cities. I mean, I don't think young, okay. mon- young money will pump that much money into baseball. Nashville's too- gone. You got three more. It's too. I could see Portland too, just to get it up. Okay, there's in two. The Are these your two? Because you could spite pick two bad picks for Scott. <laughs> oh no, those You'll are mine. Mexico oh, City. Those are bad picks. Oh, so what? Mexico City, Charlotte. You're picking for Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There you go. He's thrilled, I just, I, I just think way. that this is an absurd. 2023 but, is my guess. But do you agree that it does sound like Manfred is willing to push this forward? Whether whether we believe it's good or not, which I think we're all pretty much in agreement that this would be kind of an odd thing yeah. to do at this point in baseball's history. Do you agree or get the sense at all that this is something that's going to happen? Well, sure. I mean, you just you read enough reports and you realize that there's some movement in that regards but Manfred has pretty much put everything and anything on the table he'll discuss anything and everything he's also doing this thing where he doesn't really care what anyone else says for some of these things and, he, and he's no I'm saying and he's just making rules changes he's like I don't really care what they think I, I get the carte blanche here I can make the rule change he, he seems to be a commissioner that's going to do that and I, I think if he can get the owners on board which is all he has to do basically does he kind of look like the assassin in a bad like a, a Rob Manfred? Yeah. He looks like one of the evil assassins in a movie. Not the not main the villain. guy. Right, I was just right, saying, right, not right. the no, villain. No, no, no. Like his henchman. Yep. yep. He looks like a henchman. He just kind of looks like a banker. Just like like the manager of a bank. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you walk in, you need to get a loan. And evil you gotta, bank. Yeah, an evil bank. There you go. Um, There was earlier today, there was a lot of news that came out today. So there was a lot in the college game with the whole transfer rule. And um, the red shirt thing, we'll explain the two, but which was the bigger what is going what are we going to see the bigger impact from from those two rules? So I think you know we were talking before, and we were all focused on the red shirt change the the football you can have four you can play four games and still be red shirted. And that's what we were focusing on. But if you if you read just some of the, and it's only a few hours old, the more just perusing that I did, the more reviews, the more commentary, the more opinion you find, there seems to be a maybe a groundswell of the argument being that the transfer rules, that change might be more impactful than the red shirt change. So it has me kind of questioning my initial reaction a little bit. Should we have basically open enrollment where you can play for the Badgers, the coach leaves, and 
I'm going to transfer to North Carolina. There's no have to sit out a, sit out a year or like, part of this well, is uh, coaches essentially can't then, impose the right. you can't transfer here. It's essentially you're saying should we should they have mirroring rules for if a coach leaves then you can leave and there's no That's penalty. That's the biggest change. If the coach I, leaves I'd you can op- leave. I'd be open to that. I think that I don't know if it would be good or if it would I'd be open to Schools it. Schools wouldn't be though. They would not I'm sure that they would be so opposed to that. But this ruling or, or this change in the rules is a shift towards more freedom. Yeah, freedom, autonomy for the players, which kind of flies in the face of what the NCAA right. has been well, that's forever. That's going to get messy. That's going to get so messy. Sleight of hand. Let's give them this <laughs> instead and they're of not okay. paying attention to not making money. money. Yeah, but if they get this though, then they're going to have that sense of entitlement. And, oh, well, I, I have the power now. Why not more? You know, just kind of puts the ball in their court, essentially, so I can I go gonna, anywhere I want. You like that? Thank you. <laughs> well, they're subtle. Look, they're. I like the fact that the kids have more freedom, because the rules under the rules that govern them under the NCAA are. It just seems like with each passing season, with with each passing year, are just more outdated and antiquated and. You got to catch up with the times. Um, I think it's just going to be too big of a headache. I really do. For so many, well, I mean, people will be talking about it, but so many high-profile players. Like, I mean, you, imagine, you know, what if Johnny Manziel went some? You know, what if he was like, I want to go somewhere else other than A and M? Then he can. Then he can. You work in radio. If yeah, you, but I'm not if, a. You know, I'm not an athlete. What difference does that make? If if you want to go work at at, at another station, hey, don't sell yourself short either. Well, thank you, but uh, I mean, I've never understood. Well, I understand it. I guess I don't agree with scholarships are considered contracts, right? I mean, that that would yes or no. Because if if they are, then that's the breaking breaching contract, all that garbage. But if they're not, then free free market, free range. I don't know if it's technical. I mean, it is a contract. Lowercase c. Right. Right. Small what if c. we just did, uh, if you don't get drafted, you can just play in college forever? You could have like 36-year-old <laughs> guys Van Wilder that like, you know would be the equivalent of a, a 4A player. <laughs> like, just stay in there like Joe just Forte. It. It just gets sad. Playing for the Tar Heels until he's like 39. <laughs> just get a little sad. Let's see it happen. Why don't we just move to that? <laughs> um, one of the other things that I saw too, Scott, you and I kind of watched this before. We taped this, but on this week's episode of Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel, uh, John Frankel, who seems to do the best pieces on that show, he did this thing on the NFL settlement claim with uh, players that suffered the brain injuries that they had that settlement, uh, what, five years ago, where they were paying out however many millions of dollars it was to these players. And basically none of these guys are getting paid. I think it was 10% of these cases, these guys are getting paid. The league says they're not denying any legitimate claims. Five years since this has happened, 10% of players who have um, filed a claim have received their money. We saw guys like Scott Brantley um, profiled in this piece who has Alzheimer's now. And the league is basically saying there's a lot of fraudulent claims out there and we're weeding through this, so that's why nobody's getting paid. Now, this whole piece goes back and forth with Chris Seeger, who was the attorney representing the players' union. And the general consensus here is that 
he kind of cut a flawed deal just to get this done and to worry about making sure he himself got paid. The league denied any request for an interview. But the takeaway here is he knew it was a flawed deal and cut it just to get it over with and to get paid. When you watch this and you see the condition that these guys are in and they profile Mike Webster, who, of course, we know took his own life, and now they show everything his family, his son, and his his widow is going through there, and all these other players that have Alzheimer's and other brain injuries um, that have no idea what's going on. Scott Brantley that they talked to didn't know how old he was. He's hallucinating. None of these guys are getting paid. When you watch this, first of all, did any of you guys play organized football? Yes. Briefly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When but you yes. watch this, why would you ever play? Let's say you're 13 years old, 14 years old. If you watch this, why would you ever play football? I am 100% with you. I don't know. After the fact, I played one season in eighth grade, so it wasn't that super high contact, but I played one season in eighth grade. My dad played into college. He played in college. Never once pushed me to play. Never once was like this. I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm a large human. A lot of coaches came and said, you should play. I said, no, nah, I don't want to. My dad was like, nope, it's fine. You don't have to. It's just it was never even a thought, and and this is coming from my dad who played a high-ish level. You kicked people don't know this. You kicked Nick Saban out of your own dining room. I did denied several times Saban. actually, several times. Incredible. And less miles. Look, there's that was N I C Z A B A N Nick Saban. Two two C's actually. There's no way thick Saban exactly. You know, I think you when you hear players now, oh, yeah. like Favre, I think that was. Oh uh, yeah, I think the when when Brett Favre came out a couple of months ago and said that he would not, and he doesn't have sons, but, but a, a, a grandson, I think for he would not encourage them to play. He would not let them play football. That caught a lot of people. I don't know if off guard, maybe, but it certainly went whoa. Brett Favre well, just said he wouldn't let his son or grandson play football. I think part of it is a generational thing, too, that like all of these cases that we're talking about are guys, generational I mean in that these are guys that played in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s, five, ten years from now, when people of our age group, when it's Brett Favre, hopefully not, but when it's those type of players that are going through this same thing, that's when it's going to resonate with you more of, oh, Man, I remember watching that guy. It is already happening because it's there are to, right. Yes. If if you go out there, you can find the numbers and you can find story after story of youth football and Pop Warner numbers down and leagues just being eliminated well, for for a lack of participation. We're starting to get the recognizable names to people that are within this generation too, like Junior Seau. And uh, like just recently, too, with Dwight Clark, Mm -hmm. the other, um, I guess, thing that really caught my attention was Dwight Clark. When we talk about that and ALS, Mm -hmm. this is something in the last year or so that there is starting to be more and more evidence that they are linking this to football and to head injuries and contact sports like that. Dwight Clark, Steve Gleason, Kevin Turner, Steve Smith, O.J. Bergantz. Orlando Thomas, these are all players recently, football players, that had been diagnosed with ALS. There was three players from the Niners team in the 60s. 6,000 people a year in the U.S. are are diagnosed with ALS. 
Five to 10% of those cases they say are genetic. So that leaves about 90% that are sporadic, and, and they're still unclear on how much of this has to do with head trauma. But you go back 10 years ago, 2005, there was a study that showed Italian professional soccer players were getting ALS at a rate six times greater than the general population because we're starting to see head and brain injuries in soccer, too, from taking headers. So there's more and more evidence that certain amount up that ALS is something like dementia. We've already, Gail Sayers was just diagnosed with dementia. All of these guys we're seeing get Alzheimer's, dementia, ALS, you can add to the list now. That I just keep coming back to the more that people see this, why are you choosing to play this sport? I was watching, um, it was, a, it was a, I guess, a documentary, for lack of a better word, on everything that uh, Aaron Hernandez went through. Yeah. And one of the most fascinating moments of this hour-long documentary was his attorney at the time, whose name is escaping me, famous attorney. And in all the defense, in, in, in all, the, all the legal wranglings of how, what can we do, of course, Aaron Hernandez killed himself. And, and, and they thought by doing it, he would then have his name because his, his name's cleared because under Florida law, if you, in this case, commit suicide and you were found guilty, you, clean, you, you get your, yeah. right, your record is wiped clean. And if you remember, this all went down with Hernandez right around when the CTE yeah. news, the, the, the coverage, the story, the topic was just beginning. It wasn't even as common as it is now. And he says, I realized after the fact when they had um, the autopsy, they split his brain, yeah. did the, and it is – that plaque buildup in the brain, it is everywhere. And he realized, the attorney sits back and goes, I never thought CTE. I thought, you know, he's, he's got a violent, pa violent past and yeah. this and that and the other thing and, and head injuries. Well, but he, said, I, he goes, I totally, I, I didn't even think to quite candidly play the CTE card. Well, he was when they did that because it's uh, what Christopher Nowitzki the old WWE wrestler is the guy that's like the foremost authority on it now that studies brains in that is the guy that's basically doing those autopsies mm -hmm. and working with that. And I thought in the case of Aaron Hernandez, didn't they say this was the worst we've ever seen? It was the worst they ever saw yep. for someone as young as, as, young as he, he was. Age, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think with stories like the names you listed, with stories like Hernandez – we're not going to see it until a generation, probably even two generations from now. So. When you look at the yeah, no, when you look at football numbers, will the NFL be what it is now in twenty five years? I don't think so. I agree with that, but it, there are those players. Terrell Suggs is one of those players that says, "I'm assessing my risk. I know what kind of game I'm playing." Right. But but I think the point is, how many players will exist that have that mindset five to ten years in the future? I think there'll be some. If the pay, I, I will if be the paydays, if the paydays, sure. make, maybe, well, you sure. know. I think it's That's also fair. different for players like in Terrell Suggs' case. You've already gone through it. You've won a Super Bowl. You're getting paid. 
it's easier now to say knowing that and what I went through. What's and the benefit all of the saying, success I, wish I had? I you know what? It. Yeah, I would all do right. it all over again. Opposed to a kid who is 15 years old that says, "Do I want to do this if this is the likely outcome?" Yes, there's a chance I can be a millionaire and I can achieve success, but there's a greater chance that those names we read that could happen to me. At some point in time, you have to start playing football, whether it's as you know in, in youth leagues or in high school as a freshman. And at some point, usually a parent or a guardian has got to sign off on yep. it. Mm-hmm. That's where the change comes because so, moms and dads are going to go, you know what, I don't want my son playing football. That's where the change comes. Kids aren't going to be able to make that independent choice. I'm tough. I can handle it. And thus, here I go. I know what I'm getting into. That happens way far down the line. Maybe if you're thinking about going into college or do I want to keep playing into the professional ranks? But it has to start at some point. And that's the point where I think the, the sport is going to be choked off. To that point, and this is an easy pivot, um, one of the other things I want to touch on here was we found out the day that we recorded this that the World Cup is coming to America again in 2026. And Canada and Mexico. And, right, but <laughs> we live in America. So, um, But to that point, what about the wall? There has always been this talk. Take over it. <laughs> so it seems like there's two camps with soccer, right? And there is the group that strongly supports it and there is the group that just says it's soccer's dumb everybody says soccer's taking over i don't get it you have a very small portion that's in the middle right that's okay, indifferent that's what I was say yeah i was going to say what about the group that says i'll watch it only on a in a world cup or olympic year that's the portion that's in the middle i okay. think it's a very small and i think i think the two ends make up the biggest component of soccer I agree with that, yeah. So, And both ends are equally annoying. When you say, oh, soccer's going to take over, soccer, and people point to, we've been hearing this for years and years, and when's it going to happen? I think what's happening in football now, when you point to 2026 with the World Cup in America and Mexico and Canada, but in America, two years later, I know it's not as big, but it's still a big event, You have the Olympics that are going to be in Los Angeles in America. At that point, we are going to be 15-plus years removed from that league of denial and all of the concussions and brain injury and CTE talk really bubbling to the surface. So at that point, we are going to go through a span of basically parents having kids that are now teenagers, and you're getting to the point where to that point now – where the soccer fan that was here when the World Cup was in America in 94, they're now becoming married and parents and they're having kids. When we get to 2026 and 28, I wonder what we're going to start to see in terms of the landscape of youth sports. Because at that point, when the League of Denial and all this stuff came out, people talked about nobody's going to let their kids play football anymore. But it's different for what you pointed out. That's just for the families that their kid was in high school then. I don't think we're truly going to see the effects of this for another five or so years. Once you get to these people that had kids then, their kids are now teenagers, I don't want my kid playing football. And at that point, is soccer what they're moving towards? 
here's the problem that you have with we're talking soccer, we're talking football. In the youth years, the younger years, you see it now. Soccer is huge. Right. The younger you are, soccer is huge. Did you play soccer as a kid? Nope, not even for one Did minute. You? Nope, no interest. No. I, no. No, and yeah, I, I guess it was sort of a – it was looked down upon, I'm I not going to lie. played soccer probably all the way from third grade until high school. There, there was a very negative connotation to playing soccer when I was younger. And I'm I know not. Yeah, not rightfully so. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not. I'm, I am not in that group that's huge soccer fan. I'm that tiny portion in the middle that yeah, I'll watch the World Cup. I yeah. love but playing I, I soccer. Played, to be honest, I played for probably what, 13, 14 years. Yeah, pick, I play pickup soccer all the time. I love playing pickup soccer. You have to ask yourself why in America. You find a Saturday morning. There are fields in every city and every town packed. Yeah. You have soccer matches going on all everywhere. Why is it that soccer in America doesn't have a youth problem? There's plenty of young people playing soccer. You know, the problem is the older those kids get, the less opportunities they have to play and I think yes, but they run out of options. What am I going to do? I think now. Just hang on one sec. On the other side of the spectrum, football, youth football. eh, Even now, yeah, there's pee wee leagues, but like we just talked about before, I think that we all agree that that is slowly on the decline. If it isn't already die off, yeah. And yet, the older you get, high school. College football, professional football. The bigger that, they are. That is still in the spotlight. And I don't see that changing. So it's as if if you play soccer, if we're doing this soccer football analogy, that's great. You're young, you're playing soccer, good for you. But guess what? Unless you're Messi or Landon Donovan, and that's about the only two names I can list you off the top of my head right now, you are going to run out of options to play soccer. So, uh, first of all, I got to walk something. I, what did As I say? As opposed to football, where you can play and you can watch years. it too. Sorry, but uh, you, you you can watch this as long as you can turn on a football game. It's part of the fabric of American life. You don't do that with soccer. If you want it, you get for, up at for a four a.m. or right, five for a couple reasons Mainly and watch European leagues. Because MLS only happen; they only air it, and they've recently they've started to air it in prime time. But right. it's also the competition isn't nearly as good as it is overseas, and that those games happen in the morning and Saturday, and Sunday morning. Who's waking up that early? Well, and uh, first I got to walk something back because I just did the math in my head. I said thirteen years or so that I played soccer. It's probably like eight years. Still not a small amount. It's a good chunk. But um, well, and the other like MLS is basically we take jabs at. I think there's a lot of juxtaposition between soccer and basketball. In that, like, look at us where basketball is continuing to grow, and we keep wondering, like, oh, you know what? Maybe soccer is kind of slowly finding its footing, and it'll get there. Look at European countries where soccer is always king and always been king. We're starting to see more and more basketball, and you're seeing more and more uh, European countries and players making their way to America and playing in the NBA and carving out that living. But with basketball, you look at all these other countries when guys go to play in Turkey and China and Bolivia 
and you see the money that's thrown at them to play there, and you know, like, this is Catino Mobley that's 37 years old that you're playing to go over there. That's what the MLS is doing with these European soccer stars where they're bringing in the Wayne Rooney's and guys that are past their prime and just throwing money at them in hopes, and you're laughing, in hopes that maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle and grab people's attention here. Prefer the Patino Mobley reference or the Wayne Rooney reference? That's, I, that's 100% true. Though. The minute that somebody goes overseas in mm-hmm. basketball, they say, oh, well, it sucks He's for done. them. They're, right, their career is over. If someone comes here, it's a different way that they're coming over because they're like 39. You mentioned a, a couple of names, and it's also the MLS is willing to give them a paycheck. So I think the big thing that you started to bring up here is we'll start to wrap this up, was that it's the financial model and that, look, you play it as a youth, but as soon as you start to get to that advanced stage, you look at what we just laid out here. Like nobody is dreaming of playing in the MLS and getting rich there. You know what the contracts are Mm -hmm. in basketball and baseball and that you can get rich playing that sport and playing here. It's going to take a – and that's why I point to years down the road once we get more and more removed and have that age gap from when this started to come to the surface in the NFL, it's going to take a generation of kids that choose to kind of blaze the trail and play soccer, and it's going to take one really, really good kid that we know, whoa, this guy's a superstar and he's American. And I know we thought we had that with Freddie Adu, and who who is it now, Pulisic? Was the uh, young yeah, kid. Christian Pulisic. I don't want to say his last name. <laughs> but – What's what is so funny? I, just, I mean, I think soccer is popular for a reason everywhere else in the world because they've been playing it in most cases since that country's this, inception. I I don't disagree, but this is also, and again, I'm not Mister Shout It from the Rooftops pro soccer. This is also something that a lot of other countries said about basketball. And we said about basketball when the NBA 20-plus years ago was doing the games in China and let's make this a global sport. Nobody cares about basketball in China. It didn't happen overnight, but we saw, look at the boom in the other countries with basketball. I don't know that those other countries had the saturation of sports that America has. I mean, it's soccer Hockey. in those other co- – okay, it's soccer. Right. And then and in, well, mo- in most countries, it's soccer, and then it's a big old gap, and then somewhere down there is cricket. Cricket, hockey, and, things like that. Sure. Right, and in some sure. nations, hockey's a, a, maybe one right. and, and soccer's two. In this country, I don't know if I can go so far as to say that, if, if I'm understanding you right, you're saying that soccer is in America – Right now, what basketball was in a lot of these foreign countries 10, 15 years ago? Is, is that what you're 20, saying? 20 okay. years ago, I would say, yeah. So, look, we all agree football is one. In, in America. America right in now. America. Football yes, right is now. one. Yep. Basketball is two, would you say? Yeah. And, so, I, and it's made strides in the last so 10, 15 years. So three, are we saying, is baseball? Mm-hmm. What's the gap between hockey and soccer? Uh, I would, ugh. I would still put them next to each other as far as how they're even viewed. footing. Yeah, because I think fan base wise is very similar in how it's viewed. 
you have pockets of soccer fans. You have passionate pockets, fans, right? Pockets of you don't really have fans. casual fans. And when it comes to hockey, you have pockets of people, and this is and it's fine. You watch whatever you want to watch when you want to watch it. Pockets of people that always say, and this is their thing is to say, I don't really care about hockey during the regular season, but I will watch the Stanley Cup playoffs or I will watch the Stanley Cup final. I don't really care about soccer during. The four mm-hmm. years or two years that it's not the Olympics or, or World Cup, but when it's the international matches that quote unquote mean something, that pocket comes out then. What is soccer's audience? Because I ask that if it is going to grow in this country, which I don't think it will. Doesn't but what 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 is the pocket of fans? What is that demo? I think soccer's audience is young. And I think that's probably what it has, one of the biggest things it has in its favor, that I think it's young-ish, and it's it's probably that age group, too. It kind of cuts off. It seems like it's either young to younger with, like, the parents that were basically kids or in their teens when the World Cup was here in 94, and that's when we really mm-hmm. started to see the first peak. It's that or, I mean, really, and Ashton and I were talking about this before, I can't think of any, for lack of a better word, old or or older people who are soccer fans that don't have ties to another country. I think the best way to draw this analogy out or or to to draw the distinction between soccer and, and, and the other big three, why don't the other sports have this problem where kids are young and they're into the sport? But the older they get, it peters out. What's the difference? That's well. Why? Why is it with football, with hockey, with baseball, with basketball? I think baseball's problem is a little different. I have I, I young th- people are not into. There's baseball. a few factors I came I, up with. Well, what do you got? What I said earlier about the sti- the connotation that's negative. I think there's a stigma around soccer of it's not a tough sport. Yeah, and I, I think. Then it's viewed by everyone else, though. The kids see that, and, and they see, I can go play football or baseball or basketball where it's viewed as a quote-unquote physical sport, and big, soccer's not. I think there, there's a big gap that's building between you have football and basketball that are in one tier, but then there's a big gap because yeah. baseball, young kids just aren't playing it anymore. It's viewed as boring, mm-hmm. and like in its simplest form, you would think the two biggest youth sports – would be basketball and soccer. Because basketball, you just need a park that has a hoop and a basketball. Soccer, you just need a field and a soccer ball, and you can go play one-on-one. You can do whatever in soccer. Football, you still need enough guys to play football. Baseball, you need enough guys, and you need equipment. Hockey, you need equipment. There are three other things, and I, I like what you said about the stigma thing because I didn't think of that. But there are three, there are three other things that basketball, football, hockey – has over soccer and baseball too. You can watch it. You can go home and watch it on the weekend. You're inundated. Our sports, whether it's ESPN or any of the number of sports networks, that's what they cover. I can play it, and then I can go in and watch it. And I want to be like that guy. I, You know what? Look at that shot he made. I'm going to try to make that shot in the backyard or, or in my driveway tomorrow. That's one thing. Two, there are stars, and that's what you alluded to before. There are no soccer stars. I mean, not, 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 not locally. Country. No, not, right. Not but locally. there's nobody that we can relate to. I mean, for I crying don't know about out, you, but I can relate to Ronaldo. <laughs> you're, you're not related to David Beckham's <laughs> life. 
There are people from our own hometowns that have gone on to be great. I mean, you're telling me that that's not one of the big reasons why Cleveland loves LeBron James because he's one of their own? He grew up there in Akron, and now he is who he is. And the third thing is, and I go back to the parental thing before, mom and dad play a big role in this. And if mom and dad, let's be honest, I doubt mom and dad were big soccer people. Maybe they were now as a generation gets older with soccer. But mom and dad, there's like my mom and dad didn't right. play, didn't follow, didn't anything about soccer. And guess what? If they didn't, there was a good chance I wasn't going to do it either. My parents didn't, but I still played. But having said that, knowing a handful of people that are around – the same age grouping that have kids that are playing youth sports, the one thing, and we talk about kids being bored by baseball and find it boring, the one thing I hear from almost every single one of those, they are bored to tears Saturday when they have to go watch their kid play t-ball or baseball, and you know, well, my kid's not playing for the first three innings, I'm just watching these other kids, it's a long game, it's boring, I mean, I think that's starting to build and grow here. That's baseball's biggest problem. Baseball is has the youth. a problem in yeah. that. Right. The youth and, and just the slow, sluggish nature of it. And if you want to watch a game, you got to devote three and a half, four hours to it. By the way, on a total, well, similarly related topic, NASCAR. Mm. Remember, if we if we had this discussion 15 no, years ago? Oh, not even. Yeah. I think five, six years ago. Yeah. NASCAR was. That was, oh, they're the going to challenge the NFL. Yes. Yeah. It seems like just yesterday yeah. we had that conversation. Yeah. They have. Major issues, and I'm not a big NASCAR well, racing guy, but I follow it a little bit. They are having some major issues right now. When your biggest name is a guy who just retired the other year, right? Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yep. Is there anybody bigger than Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Jeff uh, Gordon is in the broadcast booth. At one point, Tony Stewart, Tony who may Stewart? have killed a guy. You're, oh, those are your hey. biggest names. Well, I mean, te- allegedly killed Dale a guy. Dale Earnhardt Sr. R.I.P. Dick Trickle. Great name. Those, those are Adam guys Cole that are, are, they're no longer with us. To your point, in the broadcast though, booth. I do follow not Martin a lot. Truex. Is that the that was a, that was a the race. boogity 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 guy? I don't know. Daryl Waltrip. Daryl Waltrip. I follow open Let's wheel racing it. enough to, to pay attention oh, to this stuff. It. No, we're not even going to listen. Did <laughs> no, you guys just, ever play the is, NASCAR video games? Yes, and they were amazing. And all I did was crash amazing. into people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's what or everyone else win, did. you win races backwards when you get bored. No, I would just torpedo other cars. You, you should try them. play again and just race One backwards. Day, uh, UFC, we probably said the same thing about five years ago, mm-hmm. too. Like, oh, this fastest growing sport. It's Robin, on the rise. Do you care about UFC, Scott? No, I there, at all. There's something visceral in it that just I, I can't okay. get there. Greg? I don't follow it religiously, but I, I, could watch, watch, I like watching the fight. No. Justin? I'm I'm zero percent. Brock Lesnar and CM Punk. But I, I want to bo- know how they did. That's but it. I love watching boxing. I can't explain. CM Punk, by the way, lost. He yeah, he went oh, to the hospital. Did, didn't he get right didn't out of the he match? Retire after that, or no, get forced he to retire because he's really so bad at this? But uh, your guy Dana White said he will not fight in the UFC again. Well, I want to see my guy. Uh, you got a lot of you know, share I, a lot of the same tendencies. You know what I think it is. Mm, this kind of goes to your soccer thing. I want to say. I hate using this word, but I think swagger is a good thing it's for great sports. Word. Great word. Well, even for Zlatan, sports, man. Like, oh, right. <laughs> for, 
like the soccer thing, when you said the, it's a soft sport, that's on the players. When a player gets clipped and he's down for, and there's a running clock and he's down well, for three yeah. minutes, and you, and then he pops back up and nothing's wrong with him. Like, are you kidding me? I, like, no one wants to a, watch that. I still think that's a grander thing with soccer that was, that's been an acceptable thing, so it continues to be an exactly. acceptable well, still, thing. Well, still, but that's on the players to yeah. you know promote the sure. popularity of the sport. It is interesting to I'll just say it is interesting to think about the stagnation of I'm just mulling over NASCAR and UFC. Yeah, but they, UFC, UFC has they can have the the swagger. But what's what's behind weird it. about well, the UFC has got swagger. What's, they, they just what's, don't what's, have, what's, that's a term that's what's never weird been, about the UFC though is plateaued. how it started as the outlaw sport and like n- none of your parents wanted you to watch it and it was how were they putting this on TV? This is so barbaric. Mm-hmm. And then in a matter of, what, five to ten years, all of a sudden, it's everywhere. And we're questioning, like, well, is UFC going to take over? And now... Eh. You realize you could probably take those exact same quotes do of parents in the, in the mid-2000s. Don't do it. And that's exactly... No, no, I'm not going to say that. That's exactly what parents were saying in the 1920s and 30s oh, yeah. with boxing. Oh. Okay. The exact same thing. Here's an example of boxing. A big, a, a very large rematch was just announced today. And oh, does yeah. anyone in this, care aside from, in this room no. care aside from me? I boxing. do. Okay. I, I do. Right. Boxing is dead. I, and you had yeah, Triple G's fight announced today, too. Boxing is dead. That's one I was talking about. Which one were you no, talking well, there about? There was, um, what's his name? The, oh, um, uh, the British guy. Yeah, I think that was announced yesterday. Sorry. I thought that was today. It doesn't matter. It's Anyways, a fine. What's that's, his name? That's what's two, his name? Anthony? Right. What's his, well, it's just... You don't know his name. I can't think of his name. I, I don't know because it's not but that popular of a sport. Two right, two major fights in the sport. Boxing has its own issues. That's a whole well, separate yeah. conversation. The problem is that there are no other than this not guy organized. who I it's can't think of his name off the top of my head. <laughs> there are no compelling heavyweights anymore. That's always right. uh, Andre yeah. Ward, the last compelling heavyweight. Andre Ward, he retired. Um, no, no, um, no, 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 no. That, that no. may be the first time I've ever heard that right. name. Andre Ward? No. Yes. yes. What about Vladimir Klitschko? No. Yes, that name okay, I remember. there you go. Then that that's still two years ago, five years but ago. We all knew the better fights were the welterweights and the middleweights, but you needed star power mm-hmm. in the heavyweight division to sell boxing matches. And that's what they've missed. Uh, why can't I Anthony. think of this guy's well, name? You're proving the point. That, right. That's, yeah, that's uh, exactly. Look, I, I'm not proud of this and right now. <laughs> Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua. Never trust a man with two first names. Well, he's believed to be like the best heavyweight in 20 years. I saw one of his fights. When's the last time you saw a, have, you, have any of you ever seen a boxing pay-per-view? Yes. Jinx. Yeah, I did. Live? Does does yep. ESPN Plus count? No. Okay. I still oh, still the answer. Is, no, I've yeah. never bought. I have. Yeah. No, I've never paid. Yeah. To watch yeah, yeah, uh, the the no. the Triple G Canelo fight. I, I bought that. I, rem- I I I saw a quite a handful of them probably fifteen to twenty years ago, and I had an older cousin that was very much into it. So I I saw all the like Felix Trinidad and Oscar De La Hoya and all of those type. But again, we're talking about big names. Mm-hmm. Name. One guy in boxing other than Floyd Mayweather. Me? Ask someone on the oh. street. Yeah. Like current boxer? Couldn't do it. I, I, I would pass s- you can do. Would you give it a one Would you give it a one in ten chance or larger? That someone can I name. I would say ten percent, yeah. But I, I guarantee I, I'd say you five percent. I would guarantee you eighty to ninety percent of those are gonna say Floyd Mayweather. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I I'm astonished we feel that much time on soccer. And speaking of, we're going to save it for later. We'll, we'll run it separately since we're already going a little long here. But earlier today, 
I had the chance to sit down with one of the greatest men we know. Wow, that's a heck of a title. That is. The legendary Charles F. Gardner. Talk some soccer with him because, as we come to find out, I knew Charles loved soccer. It's probably his first love. He loves soccer. Loves soccer. So we dove into basically everything we talked about, the youth scene in soccer, the World Cup, what this means for younger generations, how do you fix soccer in America, stories of his past and covering soccer in the MLS, and uh, covering two separate World Cups. So we'll run that separately, but a lengthy conversation with our friend, Charles Gardner, do you have uh, you have it queued up for the one thing we haven't gotten to? His Bucks and six, and this stall, is, stall. This is, I mean, we're less. We're just over a week away from the NBA Ooh. draft. That means we have to have another draft, which that does. Which means we are about two weeks, two and a half, two and a half weeks away from free agency. Bucks and six, always. That's that's for the culture. So uh, last week we learned of the coaching staff, the big name Darvin Ham that we spent quite mm-hmm. a bit of time on. We got to get Darvin Ham on the show first and foremost. Process. But uh, the NBA draft, as we mentioned, just over a week away. I'm not going to ask who's being drafted because the only one in this room that religiously watches college basketball because it's a better product, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> but gut feeling. Can we tee that one up one day. Oh, gut God. feeling. No. Do the Bucks I'll keep the seventeenth pick? No. Doesn't matter. I a think little bit. potentially. Yeah. Really, you it, really you really think there it, could be a it, piece of value at seventeen? It could. No, I think they trade the pick because it could value. They could value what they could get in return. Okay. I think they they would have to. I mean, I just don't know how enticing seventeen is. They have to attach. But yeah, I mean, they're mm-hmm. if they want to move a contract, they got to attach at least that pick. So. I wouldn't be shocked to see some type of minor deal in the works and maybe the Bucks don't make that selection, which would mean no draft picks made next week because they do not have a second-round pick as of right now. The other thing that you and I kind of talked about it before we taped here, Ashton, but you do also have to consider with the coaching change and bringing in Mike Budenholzer, uh, I know the Bucks in the past, you look at just the guys that they've taken in the first round and it seems like they're picking at 17 every year, but... You look at the likes of Thon Maker and uh, Rashad Vaughn and DJ Wilson. None of those guys were viewed as plug-and-play guys. It was always, well, this is a couple of years away. This is a bit of a project here, but they see something. I don't know that that's the philosophy that you're going to carry going forward with Mike Budenholz. If if you're going to keep the pick, yeah. You look at this like, we got our coach. We know what he's done in Atlanta. We figure he can install this same system and help us out big time. Um, we're looking for guys that can contribute now because we're looking to win now. That's why I my gut feeling is that they're going to trade the rights to the pick. Is that if if they can somehow some sort of package of this pick and another player for a player in return that Mike Budenholzer believes is going to be part of his quote unquote system or just the way that they want to play that can benefit how Giannis or can benefit. I don't know Thon's production somehow. Is this John Horst's first draft, or was he in place? Last year, he was. Uh, yeah, he came. It was messy, but it was. It last was real year. close. He was it was messy, year. but it was yes. last year. Okay. Yes. Um, this next thing is loosely Bucks and Six. It's NBA, and the Bucks are in the NBA. 
But uh, did you see this thing on Reddit the other night oh, where God, yes. somebody... Scott, you'll I know, love this. I know you did. <laughs> so a user on Reddit posed this question. Serious question. Why can't four Warriors starters lock arms and form a ring around Steph Curry so he can take open shots? Picture this. Warriors go out and get four incredibly strong bodies with really long arms for the entire game. Those four guys lock arms together, form a circle around Steph so that none of the opponents can get to him, sort of like how you might protect a quarterback if you didn't know the rules of football. So we know Steph Curry doesn't really need much room to get off a shot. This is just giving him that buffer so every shot he takes would be wide open. Now, where it picked up a lot of intrigue, People ran with this. This was on High Noon with Bomani Jones and um, oh Pablo Torre. Pablo. I Sorry, I thought you were Pablo's moving name. on. I thought you were moving um, on your next So, <laughs> as we saw for Game 3, when the NBA did that NBA referees account on Twitter and they were watching the game and fielding questions, the NBA referees responded to this. Oh, good. I did not see this part. NBA referees tweeting, here we go. The defender has the right to be between his opponent and the basket. The other players around Curry would inevitably have to move to stay with him and would be committing an illegal screen as soon as they made contact with a defender. I still think it's worth a try. So there we have our answer. Now, another <laughs> so Reddit sleuth posted a video from a game I believe was four years ago. I think it was 2013 where um, – it was a Wizards game, and I forget who the two players were, but they were doing that essentially. They locked arms and were setting a major screen. So basically, they locked arms and formed a wall for Bradley Beal to get off a shot. No fouls called. Well, did they make contact? They were. Yes. They were moving. Absolutely. And they, they made contact. Oh, they moved and they locked arms yeah. and just positioned themselves. One would set the pick, the other would then kind of slide over. I got to find the video and show you guys. But yeah, so apparently it has been done. The NBA referees say it cannot be done. Real quick on on the ref, you you I wanted to ask you this last week. I didn't re- well maybe I did realize, but should the NBA finals include the same group of referees for the full series? I, yes. Yes. You yes. Know, I think so. It hit me. I'm watching the series after game not? one and Tony. No, no. No, it changes. Okay, I didn't realize yeah. that. I'm watching Tony that. Brothers and right. uh, the baseline ref. Uh, I forget his name now. The guys who had conflicting calls. Yes. Anyway, and I got to thinking, does the NBA use the same crew for the entire series? They don't, and they should. I agree with you. That's your point, right? I Baseball did, you do. Yeah, I did same not realize that. Crew. That seems idiotic, to be completely honest with you. Wow. Did you time that? Boom, I beat the buzzer. <laughs> Great that production. was our best one yet. <laughs> Great, pro- I only get- Great Were we recording that? Oh, I forgot to hit record. My bad, guys. <laughs> so that's Bucks and Six. Oh, Nick Nurse named the I – mean, that was clever at the start of the show. It I'm was. Not, I'm deleting that. Nick Nurse, the new ra- the coach of the – so now oh. you see the hot take of, oh, the Raptors said they needed a change and they hired their own assistant. I don't think that's a hot take. I think there's ways to make that not a hot take. If if you are if you're uh, Masai Ujiri and you get rid of Dwayne Casey and you decide you want to go in a quote unquote different direction and then you hire somebody on Dwayne Casey's staff and you don't do it right away and you wait a month, it just seems odd to me. 
after having interviewed people to say, well, no one else was good enough. We're going to just hire a guy that was already on the staff. It just seems weird. I don't think it's a it's a hot take. I just think it's odd that they just didn't make the change right away. Covered a lot of ground today. Wow. So next week, we have just gotten confirmation. It is a draft, so this is another draft episode. Next week, okay. And we will have another guest in studio hmm. that these listeners, I hope, are familiar with. I hope not. He said he's busy. You hope they're not familiar? And rubbed something in my face that he's busy in the afternoon doing something on TV. This is, Look, this is an open <laughs> invitation to Dennis Krause, Just my oh, partner, in a, in a, in a, oh, well, my broadcast <laughs> partner in the fall and winter, to invite me onto his show. An official invitation, hopefully. This is an official invitation to an invitation across the nation. Also next week, I think we're going to have to introduce a new segment that oh, Scott came up yeah, with today. Yeah, yeah. You know who else we should get, That's too? good point. I almost forgot about that. Um, should we reveal it? For what? Two week, for not next week, but the week after, we will know. What? If the Bucks make a pick, we should get our guy on to talk about his collegiate career. Oh, yes. 100%. Yes. I'm so in the dark. Lot, there's who, a lot who, coming up on this show. Oh, this is going to be a good summer. Summer of the tripod. I believe that the internal searches on WTMJ.com have spiked for this, too. We've gone from 3 to 7 <laughs> to 12. I think last week we were up to Wait, 19. Wait, are we dropping or are you talking about no, the, the, number the amount of, searches, of clips? Okay, the number going, of people searching. I thought we, our ranking was going from 3 to 7 to 9. They are probably searching TRI, POD, but. <laughs> yeah, we didn't think that through. Well, some of us did.